Welcome to My Soul Dog Podcast with me, your host, Stephanie Nillis. I'm a certified professional dog trainer, and I don't like to cook, but I do love my dogs. So sit right there while we discuss all things dog training, hydrotherapy, tips, tricks, and everything in between. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. I am so glad that you're with me again. On this podcast, we're going to be talking about adoption essentials, and there's a lot of information out there about bringing your new baby home. You've gotten it from a rescue or a shelter, and you immediately go out to your pet stores and get bedding and collars that are so cute and all the toys that the dog can handle and chewies and all sorts of things. And I talked with the rescues that I'm affiliated with and asked them, what is the biggest reason that dogs are returned? What is it? And could it be prevented? Could these things be prevented within the first days of arriving that we want not you know the excitement of having the dog come into the home but we want them to stay in the home and how do we make it the best transition possible for your dog coming from a shelter who has a background of who knows what and coming into the home we do not know what their history is and we want to make it as easy and gentle as possible because bringing a dog in they've gone through a really stressful period of time in that they were either in a shelter which is a very stressful environment or they were at a foster home which just the transition so they get comfortable in that home but the transition from home to home is stressful and how can you make it be best for your dog and I'm here to tell you that buying the new collars and getting the bedding and getting the toys and all of that stuff, that is actually not the most important thing. I have 10 things that I feel are very, very important when you are adopting a dog and I want to go through those with you now. So um, basically one of the very first things that I look at is that everything is picked up in the house. So maybe I have other dogs in the house and I wanna make sure that all other toys are picked up, bones are picked up. You know, I just adopted a dog out here recently, very recently, and I we were out in the backyard and we were playing and I noticed that there were some bones out in the backyard and I was just, casually going around and picking those up and they were like oh gosh we didn't know should we not have those and um and I said you know the dog that I was adopting out he does not have any resource guarding issues the dogs in the home that were already there they do not have any resource guarding issues but I don't want there to be any issues I don't want anything to arise so let's err on the side of caution and let's just pick these items up and then nobody will feel like they have to guard because even if a dog does not have a propensity to guard or have issues, when they are under an amount of stress, 
bad things can happen. They can act out. And we want to prevent that from happening, that we just want the transition to be smooth and not stack things on top of each other. Stressors, that that is. We don't want to stack stressors. And having things laying about are could potentially be a stressful situation. So if you have existing dogs, make sure that all their things are put away, put up. We can slowly bring those out over time as the new dog acclimates to the home. One of the other things that I do, not only do I pick up the things in the house, I also close all the doors. I do not let the new dog have access everywhere in the house. I close doors, I put up baby gates, and as I get to know the dog and the dog proves to me that they're trustworthy to be in other parts of the house, then I will open those up gradually over time. But I do not let the dog, let's say, go downstairs by themselves. They could go down um, and thinking it's a secret place to go potty and they're making messes on your floor. Dogs have been returned back to shelters or rescues for far less than that. And so you will not be frustrated. You won't have things chewed up that, you know, they go into a child's room. And let's face it, children's toys do not look that much different than dog toys. And the dogs certainly do not know the difference. So if your child's room is open, they go in, they chew something up, that can be really frustrating. But if we just make a good habit of closing all the doors behind us, we don't want toilet paper strung about. So close the bathroom door. We don't want them getting into the garbage, have baby gates up so they don't go downstairs, upstairs, maybe in the kitchen by themselves. If you, you know, you don't want them counter surfing, but it can really help keep frustrations at a minimum if you just pick up things around the house and you close off areas and then open them up gradually over time and it the environment won't be so overwhelming to the new pup either they can start to acclimate to the small area they have access to and then you open up a door and they can get to know that area and so on and so forth and that keeps everything really smooth The second thing that I recommend doing when you are adopting a new dog is make sure that you have tags on this dog. You make sure that that is the one thing you might go out and do is get a tag with your number on it. Maybe you do not know what you're going to name this dog, but make sure that you just get a tag with your phone number on it and put it on the collar. I also make sure collars are snug or I'll use a martingale collar. You can look those up. Those are often used in rescues. The dogs can't pull out. They can't back out of the collar. Uh, That is something that I have heard happen that they adopt a dog and the dog backs out of the collar and runs out the open gate. And now we have a loose dog who does not know the neighborhood, does not have a recall. They don't know you. So why would they come back to you? You're not their human yet. You just met them. And so, or they just met you. And so making sure those colors are tight, making sure you have something that the dog cannot get out of. And then I also really like to use um, a leash on a dog. I prefer to do the two leash method, one for inside and one for outside. So if I have a shy dog or a dog that is just kind of, a little bit leery of the new environment, 
If you have a six foot leash on and you need to collect the dog or guide them, maybe they're in the bathroom and you wanna guide them out. It's really intimidating if your hand is coming towards their collar, you're looming over them. That is very intimidating body language. But what's not intimidating is if I just kneel down or I put my foot on the leash and then I kneel down and pick up the leash from six feet away, I turn away My body simply turning away shows that I'm not a threat and I walk away from them, leading them out of the bathroom. That is a real safe way and and I'm also letting the dog know that I don't mean any harm, we just need to move from point A to point B. And then when my dog is outside in the yard, I will clip on a different leash and I will unclip the one that was that they were wearing inside the house. And now they have a leash that they can pee and poop on or whatever, and then I can switch leashes at the door and then the clean one is drug around inside the house. But by putting a leash on outside, I'm able then to, again, get the dog. If the dog does not wanna come when called, does not wanna come inside, Maybe they want to play keep away. They think that's a really fun game. I know that Tori, the mama of the mash puppies, she loves to play keep away. So she wears a leash outside so I can just step on it and say it's time to go in and we walk inside. And then again, you're not reaching out where they might find that as a threat. Maybe they would nip at you because they're just stressed out. You're trying to collect them. You're leaning over them. You're reaching towards them. And some dogs don't care. Some dogs don't. But why take the chance? You can get leashes and collars and all sorts of stuff at Value Village or, you know, your Goodwill or, uh, you know, Thrift or Facebook Marketplace. And if you don't want to spend a lot of money, it's not required to use your pretty stuff. Just get something to use. Maybe you want to borrow it. You can always wash it and just make sure that you're not putting any undue stress on the new dog. We're going to keep things just really mellow, kind, and gentle because we don't know what background this dog came from and we have yet to build a relationship with them. We need to earn their trust. And that is not going to happen overnight. That happens over time. And by doing these things, we're making sure that not only are we building trust, but the dog is also safe. That if the dog gets away, that you have tags on them um, and that you have collars that are going to be really snug in case someone leaves the door open and the dog bolts. All right, so then that leads us to number three. Number three is don't assume. I never assume anything about the dog. And that also goes with anything that a foster home told me. The foster home might tell me that the dog is fully potty trained. But, you know, things happen when they go from home to home. So I'm not going to assume that the dog is potty trained. I am going to show the dog where I want it to go potty and I'm going to reward heavily. I am not going to assume that the dog is able to be left alone. Maybe they were able to do that in their foster home, but due to the transition and due to the stress that is caused by a transition, 
they have a little bit more anxiety when you leave, then I would only practice very short bouts. I think adopting on a Friday is the best thing you could ever do if you have weekends off, of course. That way you have a couple of days together before you go back to work. You can do some setups where if you don't assume your dog is going to be okay when they're left by themselves, but you could do some very short stints, you know, away from your dog, go out into the garage and then arrive back one minute later, literally set your timer for one minute and come back one minute later. Listen, see how your dog does. And then you can work up to a few more minutes, a few more minutes, a few more minutes. And then you will also gain the the trust that, okay, my dog's going to be okay if I go back to work. And if what the foster home said really indeed is true, then yay, great. Then things were easy. But every now and again, you might come across a dog who was doing really, really good because they had time to get comfortable in that situation, but then revert back to some old behaviors because the circumstances changed. And so I just don't assume, and I don't assume they know where to go potty at my place. I don't assume they know where the back door is. I teach them this. We go through the back door to go potty. Um, and I also don't assume that they're not going to have resource guarding. So sometimes that's information that shelters do not or rescues do not give. It's just kind of overlooked. Maybe um, they just assume it's fine. But that is something that I don't assume. And But I would also heed the warning if the fosters say, please do not feed your dog near another dog. Don't. Don't. Take that at face value. If they are cautioning you about anything, take that at face value. You know, there's been dogs that have been returned because they were feeding the dogs at the table, at the dinner table. They were, this family was given instruction that the dog that was being adopted had some resource guarding issues. And that dog was returned very, very shortly after it was adopted. And Those are all things that we're trying to avoid. And I know that people do not set out to go and adopt a dog just so they can go and return it. But we need to go in with our eyes wide open. And these are things that are so easy to do. They're so easy to do. You do not have to buy a whole bunch of stuff. We can just do our due diligence to make sure that the setting is safe and that we have our ducks in order. Um, you know, a tag doesn't cost you very much. And if you borrow a leash and collar, or maybe you already had one from a previous dog, that doesn't cost you very much. You can even pick them up in a grocery store. But that way, you will never be surprised because you never assumed that they were fine anyway, or that they were good at something anyway. Be pleasantly surprised. And number four on my list is when I am trying to get establish a relationship with a dog, the best way I can do that and the best way I can establish trust is if I hand feed. Hand feeding is so intimate. It is so intimate. I will grab a bowl and I will ration out what their portion size would be 
and I sit down on the floor and I just feed them handful by handful out of my hand. I want them to know that I am all things good, that I am all things safe. I like to give them things that I mean no harm. And I have worked with some really, really feral dogs. And this by far was one of the best things that I had ever done. It was a wonderful way for me to establish a relationship with them. They always equated me with something pleasurable. And that was food. That was food. Every meal was fed by hand. And I don't feed kibble by kibble. I'll feed small handful by small handful. You can get through a bowl of food pretty quick. This is not going to cost you a lot of time in the morning or in the evening. It just won't. And it can be just a lovely time. It is nice when this dog who you're getting to know is excited about seeing you, that you bring only good things. It's really nice when they come bounding up to you going, oh boy, it's dinner time and you're going to feed me. And those feedings turn to pets and those pets become more loving interaction, maybe some cuddles. But no matter how rock solid the dog is, I always want to bring goodness to their life and that is a free way to do it. You are going to feed them anyway. So why not elongate the experience by just a couple minutes and hand feed? Really develop a bond with this new dog. It is amazing what you will feel when you're doing this. It feels so good and it's so relaxing, especially after a hard day. Maybe in the beginning, it's kind of like going to the gym. Like maybe in the beginning, you don't want to, but if you just pour the bowl and you sit down and you start feeding, I guarantee you're going to be in a better mood. I guarantee it. It is so lovely. It is so intimate. It's relaxing. I don't play on my phone when I'm doing it. I just feed handful by handful and give them some pets if they're showing me that they're ready to accept those. And I just take the time to bond. I really take the time to bond. And the fifth thing that I do is I highly, highly, highly recommend that you have a crate. I think that all new dogs should be crated. I think this will, I, I also, I want it to be a safe place. So this could be one of their safe havens is the crate. And this is something that you can ask the foster home. Maybe the foster home already knows that the dog is crate trained. And maybe, just maybe, if the dog is in a shelter, the previous owners might have given that knowledge and they have that to share with you. But I would definitely have a crate. That doesn't mean that I'm going to be using this crate for the rest of their life, but I definitely crate them in the beginning. I don't know that they won't chew my table leg like they're a beaver getting ready for a new house. I, I would just be so frustrated if that happened, and I know you would be too. So I will reduce the chances of that happening. I also don't know if 
the dog that I've adopted is that kind that just shred toys. I mean, shred them so fast and then swallow the squeakers. There have been dogs that have had so many surgeries because they've swallowed everything. I don't want that to be my new dog. But by putting them in a crate, I know they don't have access to things unless I'm right there watching them. This would also be a great way to prevent them from having accidents in the house. And I would also maybe serve half of the food by hand feeding and then ask them to go into their crate and they get the other half. You are pairing the crate with something good. And I think that it's a great place that they can sleep. Sleep is always some always something good and so that I'm pairing the sleep and relaxation with being in the crate. You can do things like cover the crate with a blanket and make it more cave-like. You can also zip tie the seams of the crate if you happen to have some zip ties handy just to make sure that they cannot slip out. And Again, adopting on a Friday, so you have Friday evening, Saturday, all day Sunday. Some people even take Monday off just to make sure that their dog is okay when they leave. They make sure that the dog is okay sleeping in the crate. I want to make sure my dog is crate trained because if I ever have to go to the vet, my dog is going to be in a crate at the vet. And the vet is not a place that brings much comfort if you will in the end game they do but it's a place that you go for some ouchy things so a lot of dogs do not like going there because ouchy things happen but I don't want the crate to also be a source of great anxiety because one I'm at a place that causes me discomfort and I'm not crate trained and so I want to melt down I am not used to being confined But I want my crate to be a place that my dog will go and enjoy going. I think the crate is a great way to manage if you're introducing a new dog and you have cats or maybe you have guinea pigs or gerbils or anything like that. Just to double check that yes, indeed, this dog is okay with small animals. And also, a crate is a great management tool for your dog to build up a relationship with children. The children can hand feed the dog through the crate. They don't put their fingers through. But the dog can be in the crate and they could be putting some kibble into the crate like coins in a piggy bank. That dog will be very happy to see those kids come. And also, we'd get a good indication of how the dog feels about a child's hand coming near them when eating but everybody would be safe because your dog would be in a crate. So that is especially important. I want the crate to be something good. I don't use it as a form of punishment. It really matters how you put them in the crate. If you're grabbing on the collar and you're slamming them into the crate, well, that's not such a fun thing. But even if the dog does something naughty, if you grab on and you just Go to the crate casually. You don't need to have a conversation with them. You place them in the crate and you close the door. Then you know you can take a break. 
you can take a breather, but we have not done any damage with that crate that they're not going to want to go in there again because it felt terrible the last time. So having your dog in a crate is just a great way to manage them. Making sure that they're not chewing up things, that they're not having accidents in the house, that it is safe for people, strangers, if they're going to come over. I'd put the dog away. Maybe the dog doesn't have manners and needs to go into the crate when people arrive so it doesn't jump up on guests. The crate is a great management tool for that. The arrival of people is going to be the most exciting time for that dog. So if we can get past the arrival of people, many times the dog will come out of the crate not as excited because the arrival is long gone and then they greet all the people with just excitement and four on the floor. So those are the first five things I would do. They're my adoption essentials. And wouldn't you like to know what six through 10 are? I have five more to go, but I'm not going to tell you those now. You will be able to find those in my blog post that will be coming out in the next couple days. You can find that on the website. I will have a link to this podcast if you want to refresh and you will learn about the six through 10 things that I do that are adoption essentials to make sure the adoption of your dog goes as absolutely smooth as possible and there is little to no money exchanged. Most of the things on this list you do not need to spend money for. It is just good management to ensure your new dog is going to be as happy and healthy and incident free as possible. Now, dogs are dogs and accidents happen, but many, many people get really frustrated right out of the gate. And, you know, it takes a minute for a new dog to adjust in the home. It takes them a minute. So things are not going to be perfect yet. And those things are so rarely talked about. But dogs get returned for the smallest things that are completely avoidable. Completely avoidable. And then the rescue or shelter is worried, you know, it makes that dog look bad. And then people start to wonder, well, why was that dog returned again? When in fact, it had nothing to do with their behavior. It had everything to do with the management styles of the humans. So with that, I look forward to seeing you or hearing you next time. And don't forget to check out the blog post so you can see number six through 10 of my adoption essentials. And I hope you find this helpful because Lord knows we want to empty out those shelters. We want to empty out those rescues and we want to keep all those animals in the home. We do not want those animals returned. Have a wonderful rest of your day. I will see you back here next time.